This is Stacy Finney, guest interviewer for Loud Fast Philly. Today is June 13th, 2015, and I'm sitting here with Jade, singer for The Posers, Philly punk band. We are in the lovely Gray's Ferry area, is that what we call it? That's correct. Of South Philadelphia. Hi, Jade. Hi. Thanks for meeting with me today. Anytime. Let's get started. Uh, when were you born? November 6th, 1991. 91. So that makes you? 23 years 23 old. 23 years old. Yeah. And where were you born? St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. And to, <laughs> to obviously, to two parents? Of course. Of mom course. And, mom and dad? or uh, Yeah, mom and dad, okay. you know. Um, Joy Rogers and uh, Joe Bisa. Okay. So, yeah. And what do your parents do? My father is a computer programmer, and my mother is a dental hygienist. Okay. And what was it like growing up in Missouri? Very different than the East Coast. How so? Um, well, for one, no offense to Philly or the East Coast. <laughs> it's hard to offend anyone from <laughs> Philly, so, or offend the city as, as a whole, so that, go ahead. That's true. I mean, I, I'm from a very much more... Um, I guess the Midwest as a whole, are they're very gentle, polite, talkative people. Mm-hmm. I will talk to anybody on the street. I will wave and smile and everything. And some people here think I am crazy just for being like, For Hello. being friendly. Yeah. It is the city of brotherly love. We, Do you find that it's kind of not, no, like, no. doesn't live up to its standard? It's, <laughs> it's odd. People in Philly say, they're like, they ask me things like that. And I'm like, no, honestly, if you are nice to people in Philly, they will be so taken back by how mm-hmm. nice you are that they will throw the kindness right back at you. It's it's more this city's more of it's like a mirror. If you're mean to someone, they're gonna be mean to you. They right. know how to take it, they know how to sling it, and same thing goes with kindness. People so you here get what you give. You get what you give yeah. in, in Philly. And that's why I like Philly a lot actually, is you It's you, a pretty honest town. It People is. do tell it like it is. That's very true and it, it keeps me honest compared to in the Midwest where it's Everyone keeps a smile on their face, mm-hmm. and they they just tell you what you want to hear, or they just they sugarcoat a lot of things. There's a certain amount of politeness and air of of uh, very being true. a certain certain way, so as not to offend. It's very true. Yeah, there's a lot of like I don't know really how to put it, but it's there's a lot of politeness. That's mm-hmm. true, and it's a lot of like I don't want to say whitewash, but mm-hmm. in a sense where people like. They, like they, white picket air. fences and people doing the prom wave. Oh, is that a lot of that, because I, I mean, Missouri is also technically a Confederate state, so mm-hmm. we have a lot of the Southern Correct. feel to it as well. Like the Bible Belt, I grew up, I grew up in that. So there's a lot of the. Was that the, very prevalent as you were growing up? I mean, I grew up probably about twenty mile, twenty miles away from the biggest televangelist church in the country. Um, that was a very big thing. Both sides of my family very Christian. Um, are your parents Christian? My father is atheist Buddhist, and my mother is um, Lutheran or Baptist, depending on the year. And how did you grow up uh, religiously, since we're on the topic? I mean, did they instill any of those values in you, or did they leave it for you to decide? Mom, she's still hoping and praying that I'll, <laughs> I'll come back to the church. Keep it up, Mom. Maybe yeah, one day. <laughs> maybe one day. Um, as far as my dad goes, he doesn't really care religiously yeah. what I do. Um, I once picked up one of his um, Zen books, and he was just elated that I even looked at it mm-hmm. um, in a in a very Zen way. Like you don't really get excited about sure. those kind of things. It's kind of like you look There's over no and you kind of go, mm. and that's the excitement from my father, which is 
I took as something to do. So sure. I, I read I read both. I'm, I'm currently reading the Bible right now, and I'm also reading a lot of one of my favorite Zen authors, uh, Brad Warner. So it really depends. I, I just like theology as a whole, mm-hmm. probably because of that background. Do you feel like you adhere to a certain faith, or it's more of just an interest in understanding multi-religions? If, if I had to say it, I would say Buddhist, but I feel like saying Buddhist automatically negates being a Buddhist because Buddhism is all about thinking for yourself. So you can't, you can't be Buddhist yeah. if you say you are Buddhist because then you're adhering right. to someone else's ideology. Exactly. So tell me about young Jade. What was young Jade like growing up? Oh man, <laughs> I was the biggest nerd. I had the longest hair and the biggest glasses. I would sit in like the latch key just reading books all the time. I was in chess. I was in band. I played the saxophone from like third grade till I graduated high school. Was the sax your first experience with music? No, I started playing piano at three, moved to clarinet at, um, I want to say like first or second grade, and then saxophone. In high school I moved to bass and guitar as well, realized I could sing then, and I took singing class. So that's where it's gone since. So three years old on the piano, did, was that something your parents wanted to do for you, or did you did you have some kind of fascination and say, you know, Mom, Dad, I want to learn how to play piano? My mom was the kind of mom where she would just throw throw me into things, hoping that I would be a child prod, prodigy mm-hmm. in something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because she didn't know very many Asian people because of the Midwest, but I feel like there was this thing in back of her mind where she grew up in front of the television where there would be like Asian child prodigies playing piano at age three. Are you part Asian? I am. My father is from the Philippines. He okay. came here in 1970. Okay. So You have an ethnic look, but I wasn't sure <laughs> and I don't feel like it's polite to ask. It, you know, <laughs> Even though I'm from Philly and I don't care. No, that's, I that is something about Philly yeah. that I like is people are polite about that. Yeah. It's the exact opposite yeah. in, Phil- in, in, in Missouri. They'll mm-hmm. just like they, people assumed that my mom adopted me, mm. so because you look so different. When I was a kid, I was the one of the darkest kids. Mm. So, but I know. will say, beautiful, adorable. So, well, people people can't see me on the internet. <laughs> They'll see but your yes. picture on the internet <laughs> when we're done. Well, thank you. Are you an only child? Technically, okay. I'll say technically. I've never met my sibling. Mean? My father had another kid before he met my mom. Okay. I don't know her name, don't know how old she is, don't know anything about her. I think her name might be Andrea, but... Does your father have any contact with her? No. No. Um, being very traditional Filipino, you don't really talk about the things that you aren't proud of, so we just kind of sweep it under the rug. We don't really mm-hmm. talk about it. I'd love to know. I'd love to know who she is. I'd love to meet her. Being an only child is really weird. Being an only child and finding out you're not an only child yeah. is even more odd. Yeah, I can't imagine what that would yeah. feel like. I know I, my son is an only child, and he often wishes that he had a partner in crime and someone to share things with and grow up with. So only through his eyes do I know what that might feel like for you. I just wanted someone so. else to blame when I got in trouble as a and kid. And there's that. <laughs> <laughs> did So with your father being Filipino, did you grow up kind of, you know, participating in Filipino culture um, and traditions? Mm. Uh, that's actually even the more odd thing about my father. While he's very traditional in pride and things like that, uh, my family moved here because they truly love America. 
like everything about the American culture, um, the capitalism, and how you could pretty much make yourself be who you are. Um, my grandfather fell in love with the fact that he could be a self-made man, he could own guns, mm -hmm. he could, my family could practice any religion they wanted to, things like that. We, this is on your father's side. Your my, mother's from here. Oh, my mother, yeah. I'm making that assumption. But yeah, she, wrong. her family goes all the way back. Like, they're so far back in America that they just call themselves American. <laughs> if you ask me what kind of white or Caucasian mm -hmm. I am, I would just have to reply American, because... Right. We, we don't even know. Right. Smith is the most... Somewhere in Europe. Yeah, yeah. somewhere, something. Something yeah. really white. Yeah. I don't know. So it so. sounds like on your father's side, that whole idea of the American dream and assimilating to America was really important. I mean, you have to understand the history of the Philippines. When America tried to take over after the Spanish-American you know, Spanish mm -hmm. War in the Philippines, and then Filipinos thought they were free, mm -hmm. and America was like, no, well, we're here to help you. Some people said, America's here to help, we should, you know, take their stuff, we should, you know, abide by what they're trying to help us right. do, and half of the country said, no, we were, we were just enslaved by the Spaniards, right. there's no way we're going to believe these people. So there's two thoughts, and my family definitely wanted to be with America and everything mm -hmm. that, because you could clearly see the difference between the Philippines and, back then at the time mm -hmm. and the prosperity of America. So for them, that's what they saw. That was a big deal. So they, and then when they were leaving, as they were leaving, my father always said that they were taking away guns, they were starting to have these really strict rules that scared my grandfather and his entire family. So they scrimped and they saved, and he moved here first, and he scrimped and he saved, and he slowly brought them all here. Hmm. So Interesting. I grew up in a, a very... And they came to Missouri? Is that the first place they picked? You'd be surprised. There's a How very... How they choose where to, where to arrive? Well, according to some statistics, uh, Filipinos are actually the most immigrated people in America. Hmm. So you could find a Filipino community almost anywhere, which I feel weird cause, about that because... I, if they're out there, I don't really know too many other than my family and their close-knit friends. But you seem to know a good deal of history, which is... Uh, anyone, if you have history, I feel like you should know it mm -hmm. to a certain extent. You mm -hmm. should not like, keep a blind eye to the past. Mm -hmm. uh, just because if things like this were to occur and people ask me, I don't want to be like, I don't know. I think right. it's important to know where you came from. Yeah, I mean, whether or not you're participating in that culture or immersed in that culture, Definitely. I could see where it would be important, not even in these opportunities, but just to know who you are and where you came from. Yeah, especially because, let's say that, okay, I know a lot also because growing up, um, the American school system would, they would go over it for like a paragraph or two, mm -hmm. or even a little bit more, depending on the school book, and I, I just... I didn't feel like that was enough, and also because of the Americanized school system, it's going to be their side of the story, and I wanted to know, I wanted to know the full story. Did so. your parents provide that information, or you explored that on your own? Uh, my fam, my my father, being so pro and idealizing America, he, that's the thing. He didn't really participate in the culture. Mm -hmm. He he would make chicken adobo, mm -hmm. which is a family like a Filipino cuisine, if you will. Mm -hmm. But other than that, he wouldn't even speak the Galug in the household. He'd so you didn't grow up speaking the language. Oh, no, not at all. So he didn't teach me any of this stuff. If anything, he would. Um, it's a very negative view of the Philippines, which I feel bad because I would love to know more. I want to. I want to visit there one day, and I want to know more about the people 
that I'm related mm-hmm. to. Like, my family still lives sure. there. And we we send big care packages every year. It's like a really big Filipino-American we tradition. We take care of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They love toilet paper. They love us sending them toilet <laughs> Who paper. Who doesn't love good toilet paper? <laughs> I really missed that when I traveled abroad. Was good toilet paper. <laughs> they, I mean, spoiled. that's like half the box. There's a big box, like, up to your, your waist. For people who, I guess, who can't see me doing this. Um, and they just, like... This part of it is just literally just toilet paper up to up to the knees. Dozens and dozens of rolls. Like, they just love it. Like wow. I can't help it. I know now that if I ever leave, I'm definitely gonna drink toilet paper. Bring toilet paper as much as you possibly can. Definitely. Um, so growing up in Missouri, I mean, I'm gonna. I haven't really ever spent any time in Missouri. I've traveled through there quickly. Um, I hear that a lot um, from people. <laughs> well, going from to and from. Yeah. You know, just. Um, it's a segue. It, yes. Um, my perception is it's middle white America. Is that true? Um, I might have a very odd view because I lived in St. Louis, which is next to Chicago. It's, so it's a it pretty big urban. city. It's um, it's really weird. I, I've been living here for two years, so I lived here the entire time during mm-hmm. the Ferguson mm-hmm. occurrence mm-hmm. between Michael Brown and Darren mm-hmm. Wilson. And it's true that it's a very segregated town, but there, mm-hmm. where I lived, it was predominantly African American predominantly um, a mixture of Asian cultures. Right, and being the more urban area. But the outspread, I mean, St. Louis, sure, but the outspreads, as you, you know, you talk about the evangelical churches, and, you know, it just brings to mind this whole kind of different America. It's it's true. Um, I would le- I used to be in a band in like the m- middle of nowhere, so I would drive like three hours just to do practice, and what I did, I definitely felt, aside from the fact that I had like a foot tall mohawk that I definitely stood out because of something other than that mm-hmm. there, it's, yeah the further out you go, it's definitely like white picket fence, and then it becomes not even that it just becomes like shacks mm. in the middle of the woods every mile or so and it's predominantly white white America, definitely but you know, it's their thing, it's where they are What was your experience um going to school as, as young Jade? Well, I predominantly went to magnet schools all my life, and I don't know if they have that here. Mm-hmm. I know they have a performing arts school, mm-hmm. but I went to um, special schools that were for performing arts my entire life, or what they call gifted schools. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't feel too odd. I was bullied a lot, but In I don't really... Way? Well, I, I was quiet and I was the bookish nerd, so I was also outspoken when I felt really adamant about things. Like, I remember we had to write, like, a paragraph, if that, about something that was controversial that we felt strongly about. And at the time, I was on this huge rampage against commercials. I wrote this long dissertation about how (laughs) um, Ronald McDonald was evil. And it was is, associated and, scary. and was associated with hamburgers and obesity and they're trying to kill children. Yeah, like I, it's a secret I, mission to kill all the children in America. I felt with this hamburgers. Way. I felt I was just. I like, agree. You don't understand, guys. He's a clown, but you think of him as a hamburger, and they were like right, all right. the kids were just like, right. "What is she talking about?" And clowns about? are scary. I do have a terif- I'm terrified yeah. of clowns. There's not true. one clown that I've ever seen that appears friendly. They are all scary or sad looking. All I have to say is John Wayne Gacy. That's all That's I right. have to That's say. Right. Oh my God. Um, so the reaction to that 
to your writing about McDonald's was not well received by the masses uh, at your school? My writing was never really well received at school. I I don't know. It's it's weird because I thought going to a performing arts visual high school that you know we would be free thinkers and we would be able to do what we want but mm -hmm. it's still the same at the end right. of the day it's a high school right you're gonna have outcasts and you're gonna have people who you know are really cool the difference is that we didn't have a football team we had an advanced guitar class sure. who would just strut around yeah. playing their yeah. but at the end of the day yeah. I mean your values still to some large degree I believe anyway come from your family so even when you are in this you know, school setting, which is its own community environment, you know, where you think there's, you know, freedom to express yourself, especially being a creative arts type school, that there are still those voices, especially in younger people. I mean, obviously, as you get older, you find your own voice and you discover your own thoughts and values, hopefully, and, and you know, don't always adhere to what you're taught growing up. Yes, definitely. But I, I can I, see where, you know, that, that kind of stuff would be um, not well accepted if, if the norm is to not rock the boat or to, you know, to accept what's given. I definitely wanted to rock the boat as much as possible growing up as a kid. And it, I think I do want to attribute that to my father. Like, he definitely, um, he, to say that he's a conspiracy theorist, I think, is a, is a, is a misnomer. He he definitely wants to be a free thinker. Mm. He definitely wants to, uh, he doesn't want to see everything at face value. And I think that's where I learned it from, which I don't think he liked. I think he, <laughs> wanted, he wanted to teach me to follow his, yeah, his yeah. ideas and I decided to think for myself. Right, right. But definitely, I, I yeah. definitely attribute that to him. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that I think is a real gift um, to have as a young person because I do, I, I see, the struggle, you know, having been that age myself once and a long, long time ago, and, and seeing young people today, you know, going through the struggle of self-identity. So I think having that kind of self-confidence to think outside the box and to dare, you know, to speak out for what you believe is, is an amazing strength in a young person. It's, it's incredibly important, and I feel like that, to, to segue this into what you know, partially what the this interview is about mm -hmm. is that I think that's what's important in punk, mm -hmm. and I feel like that is something that is definitely and I might hurt some feelings when I say this. I think is missing from punk today is you know your opinions and the things that you hold dear to yourself and standing against a crowd, mm -hmm. whether it is your peers that are also punks. What is it about that kind of self empowerment that you feel like is missing from this, the Philly scene? <sighs> I mean, why, why, why is that? Do you, is it different than before? I mean, I couldn't tell you about before as well, as far as, as Philly goes, but one thing that attracted me to punk as a kid was the fact that there were these people and they felt like they didn't have a voice in things, and so they created this medium where they had a voice and they could be heard, whether it was through the music of punk or the fashion of punk mm -hmm. or the artistic style in general of punk, mm -hmm. be it zines or art, flyers, everything encompassing punk was all about having this opinion be heard. Mm -hmm. Even if it wasn't that you had an opinion, that you didn't care, but you were still saying something 
and you were able to say it. It's still making a point. Yeah. Not, not giving a shit is a pretty big point to yeah. make, I think. And I think part and of... I don't think that's apathy, necessarily. I agree. I definitely... I think apathy is a part of the problem. I love that word, though, apathy. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> and the sadistic exploits for ever having the song apathy. It's <laughs> one of my favorites. But, sorry, go ahead. Um, I think the problem with punk in general is that it has become this thing that is dogmatic and ideological and if you don't follow a certain way if you don't recite the right lyrics then you are not a punk I think that people say spike your hair with beer because they hear it in a song or leather loves studs because they hear it in a song and yeah I'm, I'm, re I'm reciting two songs from mm -hmm. one single band mm -hmm. it's you know I think that kids worship gizm grow up on discharge and suckle from the teat of who killed spiky jacket and i think <laughs> i think that's a lot of the problem you know like i want i want kids to be able to say you know i this is my punk this is what i want to mm -hmm. say and make I, it your own make it yeah i think that is the biggest problem and when i tell a lot of people that i feel this way they don't understand mm -hmm. You know, the it's a culture, yes. Punk mm -hmm. is definitely a culture. But just like any culture, it should be questioned mm -hmm. and it should there should be dissidence. Mm -hmm. And if someone fights that, I don't think that we should fight them because that's what punk is. Mm. Uh, and I think it's that's... a lot of conflicting <laughs> ideas, I think, at times, which, you know, it, ha it has to be right. in the whole punk scene is, is that idea of... The freedom to think, to clash but not to clash, to, to let be but to not let, you know, it's this constant back and forth of that struggle. But I think it's that struggle that gets important messages across. Yes. So, so let's just go back a little bit. Sure, sure. Um, when did you first discover that, you know, this, you know, punk existed? Was it through music? Was it, you said you saw, you know, a gr groups of people who looked a certain way, thought a certain way. So what really got you kind of pulled you in? As far as the classical idea of punk, you know, I was 12, I was in middle school, and I was listening to what was really cool at the time, which in the Midwest, emo is really big. Mm -hmm. And I never listened to emo itself per se, but I picked up the Blink-182 self-title, and I thought it was the coolest thing. Mm -hmm. And then one day, this girl walks into middle school. She's a grade above me, and she has a trihawk. And I think she is the coolest <laughs> motherfucker that I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever seen... Well, maybe I have seen a trihawk. I don't know. Brubaker was pretty well known for his double hawk when he first <laughs> stormed the Philly scene, and that was such a shock to even the punk scene that some people had to make fun of it, and other people embraced it, and it's that <laughs> same, like, you know, what you were just saying of yeah. accepting, not accepting. Ex so you saw the triple hawk, and were like, badass bitch. I saw her, and all the pop-punk kids, which were the cool kids, were making fun of her, mm -hmm. and Same. I thought to myself, they're making fun of her. A group of people mm -hmm. is making fun of a singular person. I'm going to assume that she's the right one, because they all look the same, they all act the same, they all have the same dribble about them, and she doesn't give a shit. Like, mm -hmm. she just does what the fuck she wants. Mm -hmm. So the next day, she gave me... Well, we started talking, mm -hmm. and the next day she, you know, introduced me to the Misfits, the Casualties, 
and lo and behold, the Dead Boys. <laughs> so from there on, Love the Dead Boys. I, yeah. And you're pretty young. I mean, that you know, going back to like you know, what is this now? Early two thousand, middle school. Middle school would probably be like. You were born in ninety one. Ninety one. I I was in like fourth grade in two thousand. So yeah, two thousand two, two thousand three. So that's 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 some pretty early stuff, you know, to get into for for middle schooler in the two in the in the new millennium. (laughs) Because that was like the last century, and you know. I feel like I definitely skipped a couple steps because she was the only street punk kid Mm -hmm. I knew. But that's a great entry, and so did that open you up to other. You know, I hear a lot of people say in these interviews, oh, and then once I discovered this, somebody else handed me that, and then I went to the record store and I started digging, and then I, you know, is that kind of how it went? Actually, no, which whenever I hear how everybody else did that, <laughs> I feel like the lamest motherfucker because I didn't just do the no, easy thing. No, you're probably more original. We did the easy <laughs> stuff, just the things that seemed obvious. <laughs> From there on, I... Just Googled St. Louis punk. Oh, right. The internet. Because the internet. See, we didn't have the internet. (laughs) But I didn't do the smart thing and just put punk, which is what everyone else did. And they discovered, like, the Dead Kennedys Mm -hmm. and, you know, Sex Pistols Mm -hmm. and The Clash. And I didn't discover any of that. I just found this website that was the local punk scene, which was Mm stlpunk.com. It was, like, MySpace before MySpace got big. Mm -hmm. And you could listen to bands. So I literally only knew local bands. From then until I graduated high school, I never went to any shows because I was the only person who knew that I that I knew. So the locals, the, what I grew up on instead was like Crebetta Crebetta, The Pubes, uh, Civic Progress, uh, Bill McClellan Motherfuckers, only local bands. Mm-hmm. Like I never discovered anything big. And then I graduated high school and I replied to a Craigslist ad that was seeking a punk bassist. Being that I'd never been in a band, but I knew how to play bass, I contacted them, and we would get drunk together, and they one time was like, you know what I really like to get drunk to? And I was like, what, what's up? What, like, show me. Like, I love new music. Minor Threat. And I was like, that sounds cool. Are they, like, a local cool band? They're like, <laughs> no, like, they're a straight-edge band from the 1980s. Yeah, yeah. From before you were born. And I was like, there was punk before yeah. I was born? And yeah. so... Yeah. Uh, that's how I was introduced to Straight Edge and Minor Threat, and from there, you know, Dead Kennedy, uh, uh, you know, Dead Kennedys yeah. and all that sure. stuff. All the traditional stuff, and then all the current. I mean, it sounds like you had a pretty good range of introduction, though. I mean, it's, you know, all it's not just specific American hardcore. Yeah. You know, what was the sound of St. Louis at the time coming out? Well, my favorite bands, like I said, were The Pubes, mm-hmm. at Cabetta Cabetta, and Bill McClellan Motherfuckers, and Civic Progress. And they were all pretty much hardcore. Uh, I would say if you if you could, I don't think they understand. They don't think I don't think they realize this, St. Louis, but they really love Ian McKay. Like Ian McKay, Ian McKay. If someone's listening, and I they want to correct me. Oh, yeah, who cares? You know, I'm sorry, Ian. <laughs> so, yeah. No. Um, but they, it's like Minor Threat was is a really big sound influence, mm-hmm. and then there's a lot of like post punk, post hardcore that comes out and. All of it's really good. Mm-hmm. All of it's amazing. I would say that what's happening right now in St. Louis is very reminiscent of what's happening in West Philly. Um, the Second Empire scene, they love that stuff. 
they describe that because some listeners right. might not be familiar with what that sound is. So it's it's what's happening in hardcore right now, not Joe hardcore or like uh, this is hardcore fest, mm-hmm. but it's um, it's pretty much like if the '80s hardcore had continued and um, New York hardcore hadn't been a thing, such as. Um, Youth Crew. Mm-hmm. So Youth Crew didn't exist, and they just kept on rolling with that kind of hardcore. Mm-hmm. That's what's really big in St. Louis. So like a really fast, like one, two, three. Yeah, really fast, really hard, but they're not wearing khaki shorts. They're just really weird. They're the weirdest guys I know. Um, they all stink. They all smell, and all so their... crusty hardcore. Not... Is it all? Is it all blended, or is it's it not... just? Keep it's not... remaking itself in some different. <laughs> I mean, form? I do think that everything continually remake, remakes them itself, but mm-hmm. they not crusty. They just they're just stinky motherfuckers. I don't know what's going on with the like. Take a bath, get yeah. some axe. I I take a shower every day. I I have deodorant. I don't stink. What's up with punks and stinking? I don't know, but they like they the biggest thing I remember is they like they love chains there's one band that has chains that are about the size of my fist and they just slap it on the ground every two seconds during a set and it's just it's a scary sight it's just really why do they do that what is that for i mean the performance you know to intimidate the crowd just to just to have that air like we're we're the baddest guys in the room is there violence in the scene or is not violence in a in the way that i'd be scared but violence in the way where it's like yes, just this aggressive. is it. Like I can't, I can't go out into the real world. I can't go into a Starbucks and feel this way. But I can go into a dirty, dingy basement or a a store on Cherokee Street, which is like one of the hipster areas, mm-hmm. and go down to their basement where I can feel this way. Out of you? It's like it's like this comfortable safe, like or this com- comfortable scared mm-hmm. where I want to feel this way. I don't know why I want to feel this way, but. This makes me feel comfortable. This makes me feel... Say say alive sounds kind of cheesy, mm-hmm. but it makes me feel the way that I want to feel every day. It's like I feel like I'm living. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in the moment. And that's the kind of performance that I love. Maybe because I came from St. Louis. I, I want a band to make me feel the way that I want to feel every second whether I'm at TD Bank or at Starbucks. Well, and it sounds like, you know, it's, it's a bit parallel to taking you out of your comfort zone through the music but also being in the punk culture is about taking yourself out of your comfort zone so I I can see how you know that would excite you yeah and and kind of you know provide that I don't want to say thrill because that's the thrill is momentary but but that vibe of feeling a sense of, of being alive when so you you did you start playing bass then with with these folks that had listed an ad for a bass player? Or you guys just got drunk and listened to Minor Threat? I mean, how did you... What was your first band? Because obviously then from middle school, you got into the punk thing. Just to back up, what did your parents think about that? Uh, of, of the punk thing? Mm-hmm. My mom... The punk thing. That the is punk still, thing. That is still yeah. continuing. Well, to this day, my mom thinks I'm just too cute mm-hmm. every time she sees that I have a new haircut because we Skype mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. she's always like oh you shaved your head or oh you dyed your hair mm-hmm. so that's for her or when she sees the millions of different um, jean jackets that I have and leather vests and all that stuff she thinks it's she just thinks it's so cute but she was a weirdo growing up too mm-hmm. in her 1970s hippie mm-hmm. sense so she digs it dad being straight laced computer programmer and having a family that is Pentecostal, mm-hmm. 
no, no dice, no go. Um, I remember when I got my first tattoo that was visible, which is the 13 tattoo on my arm. I had to do some outside labor with him. Um, and I, it was like 100 degrees in St. Louis, which with humidity is like 150, mm -hmm. it feels like. And I was outside working on a deck for a, one of his things that he does. I don't know, he likes to do that kind of stuff. I was working on this deck, and yet I had on my school um, hoodie just so it would go right to my my right over mm -hmm. my uh, tattoo. And he was like, "Are you sure you're not hot?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm totally fine." I just, <laughs> this is how we dress now, Dad, in the summer. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't want to get a tan or anything, so uh, I'm just gonna keep wearing this. And you know, one day he was like, "I know you're hiding something." I showed him. And instead of being relieved, you know, you, usually people say, oh, you know, once I tell my parents, yeah. blah, 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 yeah. he feels this weight. He just was like, not cool. How are you going to get a job with that? Mm. How are you going to, you know, move through the world? I guess who, I think his, uh, his, his wife that he has now, my stepmother, she reacted in this way that was totally odd. She just didn't understand. I think she asked to me if it was permanent at least two times to just to clarify <laughs> um and then when I cut my hair short or I had a mohawk I would wear hats he just wasn't happy about it he just um he we came here my family came here to make to make a living to mm -hmm. make to be prosperous right you know right and so and you were just already a big disappointment in terms of that or I, I would say that the I, the classic idea of prosperity uh -huh. is different than my idea of prosperity. Do you feel like he has warmed more toward your idea of success? Oh no, we haven't talked for over over seven months, and before that we probably didn't talk for about seven months. Um, no, my dad and I, we do not see eye to eye at all. We, I think it's more like we just choose, he just uses to ignore, just like I was telling earlier, you sweep the things mm -hmm. underneath the rug that you aren't prideful of. Yeah. Yeah. I just uh I'm not one of those prideful things. But it's okay. Like I don't really mind. I I want my dad to feel prosperous in his life. Mm -hmm. So I'm proud of him cuz he sound more Buddhist than him right now. <laughs> it's, it's in terms of freedom. Thing. It's a really right? odd thing and acceptance, like, yeah. Uh everything is to your own point of view. Yeah. You I think you're right. I think perception is everything and and how you view the world and there are always hypocrisy. I, I, I just don't feel like we can ever be fully free of hypocrisy and, yes. and conflict. Um, and that's just my perception. I feel like you can always find a hole somewhere where, you know, you, you may say that, you know, you believe in personal freedom, and, you know, but everybody has their limits and to that, that. And that's why you should just uh, let people live the way they want to live and you can live the way you want to live, mm -hmm. and therefore, hopefully there will be no hypocrisies in that, because you can't <laughs> tell someone what else to do if you just keep mm -hmm. to yourself and live your own personal freedom. Right. That's what, that's what's important. Right. Yeah. Let's get back to, and I, lo I love this, I, I like the back, <laughs> I do, because I, I, you're very, very bright, at, at, oh, and not to you. say that being 22 that, you know, young women aren't mature and bright, but certainly <laughs> I, I don't think I would was quite as eloquent at your age, so um, I give you a lot of credit. I practiced um, a lot before you came. I, have all, I had all this written down somewhere. I promise I you. I just like to go on a wing <laughs> and a prayer, fly by the seat of my pants. Um, so getting into your first band, 
Okay. Um, you you uh, replied to that ad, but it sounds like that didn't pan out into anything, or <laughs> so when I met up with them, they then clarified that it was pop punk, not just punk, and I wanted to be the angriest, loudest eighteen-year-old possible, and that was. Uh, I, I kept on for a couple months. I, I we recorded an EP together. It's a uh, one word shin splints. You can still find it on what Bandcamp. What was the name of the band? Shin splints. So the band was shin splints and the song was shin splints. Oh no, uh, yeah, the EP was uh, I think set sail EP, and but it's still on Bandcamp. Sadly, I I think I might have contacted one of them, being like, "Yo, can we mm -hmm. take this down now?" Mm -hmm. But um, it. I kept on, we kept doing our thing, things happened, you know, we lost a drummer, we added a new drummer, and I quit because for one of our covers, they wanted to cover no FX, mm -hmm. and I, I was done. I was like, I can't do this anymore, I'm not a no FX fan, they're like, it's just one, just one time, mm -hmm. and I was like, I get that, but I, that's... That's too much. It's too far. <laughs> I, like They're pushing your limits. I feel like if they had decided on another song, I would have stayed. I think it was just the fact that it was too much pop-punk, and it was indicative of how much their direction was different than mine. Which is funny, because they knew all these great bands, and they yeah. introduced me yeah. to you know, Black Flag, and like I said, Minor Threat, but they... They worship the Menzingers, which I found out recently is a local band here. They wanted to be like off with their head. They wanted to open up. We opened up for Mixtapes and Banner Pilot, which are mm -hmm. big pop punk bands that still record today. And I, I just, it wasn't my thing. Didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. Well, and so then from there, um, well, how did you get to Philly? How long have you been in Philadelphia? <laughs> oh, God, this is a story. Um, so I. I've been in Philly for almost two years now. Mm -hmm. It'll be two years on September 13th. Mm -hmm. And I moved here because I was living in Boston. I lived in Boston for exactly nine months. And I was living in Boston because I was going to college there for music. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you had just started. Did you leave school or, I mean, did you finish there? What, what happened with that? I took two semesters there and I visited a friend who had lived in Boston, was my only friend that I had met and made any kind of acquaintance with that I agreed with anything upon, she moved here. I visited her for a weekend, I saw a bunch of bands, we hung out with a bunch of people, I met some wonderful, amazing, kind people here, and I just realized that going to school in Boston was not for me. I uh, had ideological differences with their punk scene. I had in what way can you speak to that in the same way that I have ideological problems with most punk scenes like I said earlier the difference was I when I moved to Boston I was very plain like I, I had a mohawk I had colored hair which isn't indicative of punk sure but it it's just how I felt normal that's how I felt okay I had um, combat boots mm -hmm. but they pointed to my boots and told me I had laced them wrong for example, that I wasn't punk because I didn't have studs. I, was mm -hmm. I wasn't punk because I didn't have enough uh, eyes, eyelids or whatever you call them mm -hmm. on my boots. I, my leather that I wore wasn't a classic motorcycle jacket. It was like, you know, 
the kind that zips up and there's Velcro across the neck and things like that. There wasn't lapels. And so So you weren't you were not adhering to the correct punk fashion image to fit in. There wasn't a punk image to fit into in St. Mm-hmm. Louis. There were a couple different factions of like the hardcore kids and then like the street punk kids. Mm-hmm. We have a really big psychobilly scene there. But in Boston. But in Boston yeah. I I was I was surprised. Like I didn't know that there was a dress code, which you know they might they they might argue. Jeez, I, in forty years, I didn't know there was a dress code either. I I mean they might if some one of them was to listen now they might scoff and say that you know it wasn't that there was, but that's, that's how the I perception. felt. Yeah, yeah. So they, I just didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel comfortable, and I wanted if I was going to move away from home mm-hmm. to discover myself. It definitely wasn't going to be in Boston because mm-hmm. I didn't feel comfortable. How can you discover yourself if you don't feel right. comfortable, if you can't right. reinvent yourself in that way? Right. And I felt immediately welcomed by these people here. And I just said on the Sunday that I was supposed to go back on the bus, I'm fucking staying. I'm staying in Philly. She offered me to sleep on her floor for a lot of the friend mm-hmm. that I was visiting with. And I'm, you know, just dropped out of school. That was it. I was done. And I just decided that I was going to. If I was going to drop out of school, I was going to make my life in music any way that I could. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm doing now. So let's go to the music aspect and your um, getting involved with different bands. You play for Posers. Yes. Now, is that the first band you were in in Philly? And were there other bands in between St. Louis and being with Posers? Okay, so... And I'm not going to say the... It's not the. It's not the. It is we, posers. We, we're just posers. You're just posers. No. I we're like not the that. only I ones. Like that. So everyone else, everyone else can be posers, too. Yes. It's not yes. exclusive. Right. Um, let's see. So after Shin Splints in St. Louis, I was in an, a simultaneously in a grindcore band called Fetal Injury, and we had an EP as well as an LP came, come out. And what did you... Did you sing, play bass? I was the bassist in that band, mm-hmm. and everyone screamed. There would be parts that we would have to scream, like, my favorite my favorite song was, We Are Fetal Injury and Our Dicks Are Huge. <laughs> for personal reasons, that's, you know, for obvious reasons, <laughs> I have to show how manly I am. Right. And then I was... Is that well, a prerequisite of, of being a female punk, to show how manly? We'll, we'll talk a little bit we'll, about that. We'll talk roles. more about yeah. that in a second. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then... While I was in that band, I was also in another band that was Psychobilly, Sci-Fi Psychobilly, and I was also the bassist in that band. I was... Do you feel like women are pigeonholed as bassists in, in punk bands? It seemed to be a long history of I'm, not as many f- uh, front women as... Oh, I never really felt that way. Mm-hmm. I just played bass in mm-hmm. high school, and I just that's just what so, I knew. Yeah. The director of our guitar program had me teach, had me learn guitar as well, but... When he approached me to learn how to play bass, it was because my fingers were so long. Mm. And he saw me walking down the hall with my boyfriend at the time and for some reason noticed my fingers. And that's how he <laughs> approached me. I guess when you me. teach those sort of instruments, just you're looks. always looking for the certain characteristics, yeah. right? Okay. He definitely was spying that out. a finger fetish for... <laughs> <laughs> my eyes just popped yeah, out of my yeah. skull when finger fetish, yeah. So... I mean, I, I never felt any sort of way about playing bass. Mm-hmm. I was just happy to be doing music, mm-hmm. and I love playing bass. Mm-hmm. I think that bass is one of the most integral parts of a band. Not that anyone has any less mm-hmm. importance. Mm-hmm. I think being a, a lead singer, I feel like my guys don't get a lot of spotlight. Of course, 
Rory has this huge, you know, lead singer ego, much like all like lead singer, lead guitar ego, mm-hmm. like all lead guitars. They mm-hmm. have, they rightfully do. They're it's an amazing instrument, and if you can play it right, you know, it's good for you. You know, mm-hmm. it's awesome. But I think that the lay listener doesn't uh, appreciate the drums or the the bass enough. They're mostly focused on the singer, the singer exactly. and the guitar. Yeah. yeah, and I I think that is really fucked up because now that I because now that I am the lead singer and I used to be the bassist I have that I look at everyone yeah I'm, I'm, st- I'm always everybody yeah, yeah. I, mean, I like to people watch as it is so when I'm at a show I don't like to just focus on the singer I like to check out what everybody else in the band is doing yeah they're all so important without yeah. one of them at least like sure. definitely in my band because everyone plays their own instrument there's no doubles there's no two guitars or anything mm-hmm. so without you know without Rory I would feel weird without coil I'd feel mm-hmm. weird without the drummer I would feel weird and it's just how did the posers come together sorry how did posers <laughs> see I told you I was gonna make that mistake um let's see I was oh well I didn't finish the, the bands that I was yes. in so that, that's where that comes from so then when I moved to Boston I tried starting an all-female hardcore band and we named ourselves Leather Daddy and if anyone knows the hardcore scene today, they are still a band. And they're actually a pretty big band. Really? I was surprised they kept the name. And I think that their music is awesome. And I'm jealous that I couldn't be a part of it. Um, at the same time, I'm really proud of those ladies for trucking on and doing what they're doing. I think that their music is great. I think, hmm. I think it's awesome. Hmm. So then uh, after I left Boston... I moved here, and I started in another all-female band, and they ended up becoming uh, cheerleaders. Yeah. So I was in that for a while, and then... Do you know Rachel Rubino? I do not. She's a female guitarist. She played with the Warriors. She went on on tour with them recently, and she's a West Philly girl. Really? That's awesome. I um, I just had Mikey Erg in uh, Connie's last night. The cheerleaders toured with them. No, Chibli's never toured. Okay, maybe no, I'm okay. confusing it. But well, but she yeah. did. But she played for the war for the Warriors and toured with them. And so, I thought cheerleaders were involved. But okay. Yeah, the, well, you probably know better than I'm sure. <laughs> maybe you know, I don't. I mean, no, I, I left the sure band early know. before they this could tour. This was like a few weeks <laughs> stint that they did. But maybe it was. I mean, they, and this was recently. This was over the winter. That might be so then, because I know the cheerleaders have been extremely active and really big go-getters yeah. in the scene I'll lately. Have to check with Rachel. Yeah. So you were in the cheerleaders? I was in the cheerleaders. Okay. As the bass player? As the lead singer. Okay. I was, in the, I was the lead singer. Um, Kate was the guitarist, and Summer was the, the drummer. Off and on, we would have Squid come in, which is one of our friends. And then while we were doing that, um, I hung out with Rory once or twice, and he was just like, um, this sucks, everything sucks. We should be a band, because you feel the same way I do about punk. I'm always in bands with Coil. We are always a thing, and I will just figure it out. So that's where Posers came in, and then I just loved what we were doing so much that I stepped away from cheerleaders, told them that they're awesome, that they're doing their thing, Mm -hmm. but I felt more right with the guys I'm with now. Mm -hmm. So that's how it became. What what genre of punk are cheerleaders? For people who are listening and they hear names of bands, of course, you know, of how would you describe their sound? Um, I feel like they have been. I, I don't want to 
pigeonhole them, so I'm going to say what I know, I've heard them describe themselves, which is proto-punk and Riot Girl, mm -hmm. which I can definitely see um, the Riot Girl, they have a lot of Riot Girl influence, which is, you know, I'm not really big into Riot Girl personally, mm -hmm. but if you do it and you do it well, all more to you, I think it's awesome. I really, I do love Kathleen Hanna. I think she's great. I think the I think the entire movement's awesome. I just have never played mm -hmm. Riot Girl. Mm -hmm. That's never been my aim with music. But if you do it, like there are so many great Riot Girl bands in the city, in my opinion. So they're one of them. So it's interesting that you're saying you felt more comfortable with um, being with basically an all male band as opposed to an all female band. I mean, was that? Uh, um, a gender thing for you or, or just music how you clicked musically I don't think that um, a penis or a vagina indicates the the <laughs> chemistry between people and their instruments I definitely think that if you close your eyes mm -hmm. um, and I was to be in a room with cheerleaders in a room with posers I would definitely just feel more natural and sit comfortably with posers more and that's mm -hmm. what I felt like mm -hmm. when I closed my eyes at both practices mm -hmm. I just felt more right mm -hmm. and you just there's a, a natural feeling when you play yeah. with people where you just something just feels right mm -hmm. and it's funny you know you can be the best friends with someone and just not be able to play with them mm -hmm. or you could be the worst of enemies someone and yeah. yet you can and it's enjoy. better to know that and and to be able to step back and actually think about it I mean I'm not really aware of you know many people who, who do, I think it's that more of that blind going forward and hey, let's be in a band and, you know, but the fact that you're actually giving active thought to what fits for you and what feels right um, is, is an amazing um, piece of, of self-empowerment that you have for yourself to know where you want to be and, and how you want to fit. Well, when you go from pop punk to grindcore to <laughs> psychobilly. A little bit of everything. To, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. I, I think I just had to sit and realize what I wanted to do and while all of us in posers have slightly different genre um, favorability mm -hmm. at the end of the day we all want to we all have the same message and, and we all want to convey it the same way the fact that you know think for yourself is a big thing mm -hmm. which sounds so cheesy out loud I can't believe I just said that but, but I think it's still know. it's still a pretty hot topic in today's world. I mean, it's something I think that humanity will struggle with forever. For all time. Because it's, I think, I think, feel at least, that it's kind of the core of man or woman to want to adhere and, and assimilate and be the same rather than step out on your own. And you see it in religion, you see it in all cultures, you see it in school culture, work culture. Everywhere you go, you see it in fashion. Everyone is trying to be the same. Right. So I feel like it's it's an idea that's never going away. That's the thing is, that's that's one of the things that we, with our songs and just as people that we always stress is, punk has this ideology to it now. Think for yourself. Like that's why we love it. Mm -hmm. well, you know, it's not we don't love it because people tell us these things. Mm -hmm. We blindly follow. Like, my biggest irk is that there are people out there who say anarchy. They exclaim anarchy, but they don't really... If they understand what it means, they mm -hmm. don't really follow yeah. or abide by what yeah. that means. Yeah. They, they just so hear it in a punk song. Yeah, they just hear it in a punk song, and they're yeah. just like, 
That's anarchy. a big commitment. Yeah, anarchy. <laughs> I like the anarchy is a big commitment. It is. No, you have to yeah. really be prepared. But that's that's the thing. Step out. Yeah. Yeah, I, like the band we we just we don't like what we see going on in the world, in the city, in mm-hmm. our scene. And at the same time, we love it. We love what's going sure. on. There are some amazing bands. Mm-hmm. There are some great bands. Mm-hmm. But I think that personally, and I'm not going to speak for the band. I'm just, I'm just tired of like seeing the same old thing. I'm tired of people feeling like they can't step out of this weird boundary, mm-hmm. that they can only go to shows in certain parts of the city, that mm-hmm. they have to adhere to a certain thing. I just, mm-hmm. like I, my, my boyfriend and I, I will say, we go to shows south, we go to shows north, we mm-hmm. go to shows west, we'll even go to shows all the way in Virginia. Mm-hmm. We, we just, I just love music and I mm-hmm. love all things underground. People, I tell people I go to North Philly scenes, maybe I shouldn't say North Philly, apparently everything above Center City is not North to North to, to Philadelphians, so right. I'll say anything above Center City. Sure. I go there, Temple, those kids have an amazing scene. It's, you wouldn't, it's not called, it's not classically punk to what South Philly or West Philly see. Is it not integrated? Do you it's feel like not. the Philly scene is, is, because, so going back, I grew up in Philadelphia. Right. And historically, um, in the 60s and 70s and even into the 80s, Philadelphia was historically a segregated city. Okay. People lived in, you know, if, if you were Italian, you lived in this neighborhood. If you were Irish, you lived in this oh. neighborhood. If you were black, you lived in this neighborhood. Polish people lived here, you know, and it, and it really was very much set up that way. And if you went into someone else's neighborhood, you got beat up pretty much. Oh my goodness. So, I mean, there was a lot of violence and it was a very um, uh, um, stressful time in our history in terms of racism. And, it was very and tense. Very tense. Um, and so when, when you're sitting here telling me that the punk scene is really splintered in that way, that's what I'm... That's how you imagine it. That's how I'm picturing it because that was that was the Philadelphia I grew up in. But the punk scene that I spent my youth in was not like that. It was very one. Everybody went. If there was a show, I mean, you were scrambling to try and get to it. It didn't matter where it was, and I don't know if people were hungry for music or just it was a show, so you went. And we didn't have as many venues. That might um, be. And as many options, I, I'm really not sure what that correlation is, but I think it would be an interesting study. Um, however, in terms of what you're speaking to in school of thought, how you look, um, all of those things were certainly prevalent, I feel, from the beginning of sort of the punk era. You know, if you okay. identified with like the British punk scene or the American hard, you know, the DC punks, or you know, in and and people really had opinions about it. People have very strong opinions about that, right? So even to this day, like it's a, it's as long as there is a punk scene, there mm-hmm. is going to be strong opinions because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we're punks, right. and that's. And being told you fit in, no, you don't fit in because you have the right look, no, you don't have the right look. Mm-hmm. And and again, it brings me, you know, I, my background is psychology, so the study of social okay. behavior is really oh, wow. a fascinating thing for me. Okay. So I'm always looking at, you know, subgroups and, and how people in, interrelate with one another. 
and you're you're kind of saying the same things that that I've thought you know 20 30 years ago in the punk scene of how you know we're supposed to be the one group the one united front the united front whether you shared the same beliefs or values that that it was the one place where you could fit in because you didn't fit in everywhere else (laughs) and then you go there and then you try to be a part of that and yet you are still being told in some way shape or form that you still don't fit you you try to be that's and who's making those decisions you know and and how does that come to be it's group think like if there's a group that all think the same thing and you come with different ideas they're gonna challenge that because you're challenging them right but that's so to go along with that yeah they're like all the different every punk scene i've lived in there has been factions be you know, in St. Louis, it was like the hardcore and mm-hmm. like the outside nerdy kids who also who still like had a fashion to them versus right. the kids that didn't have fashion. Right. Uh, Boston was PC versus non-PC, mm-hmm. which I like that blew my mind. Um, of political I, correctness. Yeah, I was never I was never really aware of political correctness. I do remember meeting a girl when I was living in St. Louis and had visited Chicago, and we had said something was lame, and she politely said that's not nice and that was about as politically correct as I was reprimanded for (laughs) and then when I lived in Boston I had never I cannot believe the political correctness was outstanding on one hand I commend them for caring Mm -hmm. so much about a million things at once and trying to be updated on them the latest term that you should be using for every single person you mm-hmm. meet on the street right that takes a lot of work yes um at the same time i wanted to be able to go to a show without someone judging me because mm-hmm. at, they named their tour raping the east you know that was a thing that happened back then yeah. back then wow it hasn't been that long jesus <laughs> <laughs> but you know that was a thing and you it was like you would go to either a pc show mm-hmm. Um, or you would go to a non-PC show where you could say the word, you know, faggot. You could say the word lame. You could say, you could go to a place without, uh, without being judged because they didn't have a handicap entrance. Mm-hmm. Like, those are things that would occur. Mm-hmm. And then here, there are, it's, it's kind of the same in the fact that there are the PC versus the non-PC, but they have areas. South, to me, is a little less PC. Nor, uh, West is a bit more PC. Philadelphia. Yeah, wh- mm-hmm. uh, yes, of West course. Philly. West Philly, mm-hmm. South Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then North, they they just, the punk scene to them just doesn't exist. Like, they just do their thing. Mm-hmm. They don't even describe themselves as punk. I just call them that because they do whatever they want and they have a good time and their music is amazing. And it's the kind of scene that I, I, I prefer going up to Temple and I, mm-hmm. I prefer seeing those bands because those guys just rocket every night and they just do what they want mm-hmm. i i love it up there but yeah it's it it doesn't matter you there's gonna be splits because yeah in, in it's the human nature yeah in the south yeah. they think uh, in south philly they think that punk is doing what you want to do at all times of the day even if it's offending someone else mm-hmm. um west and okay if someone's listening and they disagree it this is my take and i'm sorry <laughs> if i'm just if you disagree with well, me well and it's a very limited time frame to kind of, of course. You know, explain all of your details of course but, yeah, but in, in west i will say that i 
I've never personally had it happen to me, but I have heard a lot of stories, and I've, it does give it off a certain air where they they do try to be very accommodating to everyone. Um, they don't want they don't want anyone to offend anyone else. It's a very um, a very big safety net, and if you fall, you will not you know have a bruised knee in any way, shape, or form because they won't allow it. Yeah. So that's that's how I'll put it. It's it's heartening to hear that there is that kind of thoughtfulness, you know, in in younger generations, because certainly different generations have different perspective on things, and I, I feel like it's, you know, it's good to hear that at least people do care and try to do the right thing, even if there are groups who do not. Yeah. We'll put it um, that way. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll put it that way. Definitely. <laughs> we'll, we'll give it a strength-based yeah, yeah. spin. I mean, not yeah. that you shouldn't fall and have a bruised knee, because that's <laughs> yeah. how you learn. I'm um, all about bruised knees. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, I... I gather that. <laughs> but at the same time, to know that there are people to catch you when you fall, that there are people who care about what you think and feel. Yeah. I think it's important in society now more than ever, um, even outside of the punk scene, because there are just a lot of people who don't give a shit in the wrong ways. I, I will agree about that. I will say that. But I will say that that if you were to go to a South Philly show um, and someone was to do something that offended you and you said it, they wouldn't just ignore you. They mm -hmm. would be like, hey, like, this person's offended, yeah. that's fucked up. They just approach it differently. It's mm -hmm. different approaches to how someone yeah. would feel offended. So it's not, it's, it's interesting in the fact that you have very, two, very, very, very different approaches on how to deal with a situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, both ways work for different people. I'm learning something new today. <laughs> Back yes. to posers. Yeah, let's talk about posers. So it's been about a year that you guys have been playing together? Yeah, we've been practicing for over a year. We haven't been playing. It'll be a year in September that we have been playing shows. And you are the lead singer. I am. Who uh, writes the music? We all do. And all the, posers. And the lyrics? Everybody. Everybody. It's, a, it's an equal share, definitely. I wouldn't say that anyone writes anything more than the other people. I would mm -hmm. say that our own parts maybe mm -hmm. um, you know I couldn't tell Coyle how to write his bass lines that's, mm -hmm. that's up for his artistic bass interpretation right. uh, but when it comes to lyrics even though I sing them they it's an equal front you know we all we've never ever said to one another that we don't like each other's lyrics we all agree with everything so far mm -hmm. luckily we all love everything <laughs> um, but we are we, at the same time, we're very critical of each other. It will we'll be very upfront if we don't like something. Mm -hmm. Nah, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. Change it. Do something else. Mm -hmm. And it's there's never been a fight about it. We'll just be like, yeah, okay, like this is an equal thing. You want this to work. I want this to work. Let's get, let's do this together. Yeah. What are your plans as far as posers go? Is there a plan to tour, write more material, try and record? We write new material all the time. It's never we've never had a stopping period. Sometimes it most of it most of the writing actually doesn't happen at home with uh, with each other. Mm -hmm. It happens over phone. Like I will write a riff and then I will sing a part and I will write some lyrics and I'll send it to one of the guys or they'll do the same and they'll send it to one of them or one mm -hmm. of, or, or to me. It's constantly happening and then we'll get together at a practice and be like, well, you know, uh, Coyle showed me this thing or you know. Rory showed me this thing, or Jade sent me this thing, and then we'll work on it. Mm -hmm. And it's it's always a process. I think for us, we don't have anything specific going on. We just want to keep playing, and we just want to... Because we just love it. We just love every part 
if we could play a show every single night, I'm sure we would. <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh, the young woman's role, or a woman's role, in the punk scene? There's certainly, um, you know, there is the perspective that it's a male-dominated scene, or has been historically in Philly. How, how do you see it? I, um, I don't really see the male domination in Philly, in my opinion, is actually very well, uh, it's very proficient. <laughs> Women actually dominate the scene, in my opinion, here. I can name more female musicians or female bands with females than I can without. For example, on Monday, which I guess will be the Monday that has happened when mm -hmm. people listen to this, uh, we're having Total Chaos at Connie's, and it'll be Total Chaos, which is, I believe, all male, and then it will be FTS, which is all male, but then it will be Latex, which is female-fronted, and they have another female in the band, and then uh, Combat Crisis, which also has a female in the band. There's certainly a lot more women now Definitely. than men. I mean, it, when I was growing up, it was more... Um, you know, women were spectators, not necessarily participants, and there were a very small handful who worked on fanzines, put on shows, or played in a band. That's what I've you heard know? historically, mm -hmm. yeah. But obviously time changes, and that's, it's, it's good to hear. Yeah. You know, you don't ever expect things to, sit, to stay the same, and your hope is that things evolve, you know, so. I mean, I have been pleasantly surprised by the the punk scene here, every turn, it has del delightfully surprised <laughs> me. Because growing up, when I was in that pop punk band mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier, or even the grindcore band, or any of the bands really, I guess I should say, I was not only the only female on stage, mm -hmm. I was also the only female in the crowd. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm happy about it. Mm -hmm. I like it. It's good. And do you feel as though women in the scene are well-received musically? I don't really think that people think about it. I don't think I think it's a non-issue mm -hmm. whether w women are or aren't because um, if they weren't, then those people are a minority and they are just gonna have to be shut up because the win like the women gender is here. Mm -hmm. It's just something that's gonna <laughs> happen. I think that some of my favorite punk bands here are do have women in them, and I think that some of my favorite. Female, uh, some of my favorite musicians are females mm -hmm. in the scene. I, it's just, I just don't think it's an issue anymore. Do you consider yourself a feminist? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I don't really feel like I could even really <laughs> be a feminist if I wanted to. Um, I don't. It's not. I, and I get a lot of flack for that from a lot of females. And I just, it's for me. I don't really think about my gender. Like, it's just not something that I actively think about. And not in a way where I guess I would oppress myself by thinking that. Mm -hmm. I just think that because I don't think of myself as a female, I I just do what I want and I treat myself... I, I allow myself to be an equal by not thinking of myself as a minority. Because mm -hmm. I just go about the world as an entity. Mm -hmm. And everyone else is just another entity. They might be men, they might be women, they might be trans men or trans women, mm -hmm. uh, but in the end, they're just people. Do you ever catch any grief or flack for that? Being, you know, having, you know, because being a female vocalist in a band, you have an audience that, that you can speak to and get a message out. So do you ever 
catch any grief for for not doing or saying more in in terms of or, or is is feminism even an issue in the punk scene right now i will say that if anything i have gotten flack for the opposite a little bit i would say flack i would say that i have it's been noticed for the opposite we have been asked to you know be in shows that were lined as female fronted or female bands mm -hmm. and i've refused i don't want this band, I don't think that any band should have that be a selling point mm -hmm. or be something that people take note of. We have had, like, on Facebook events, people have in the description said posers, female fronted, and I've been like, take it down. Mm -hmm. That's not what's important about my band. Just because I, I have this thing that I was born right. with does not mean that that's important. I want people to come and listen to the music. I want right. people to come and listen to the message, not that... Why should it matter? Yeah, it shouldn't matter. And I think that is the step that I believe should be happening right now. And that's... I, I have a lot of... I'm, I'm of course, a dissident in that. Mm -hmm. People don't... People don't agree with me. There's a lot of people that I know that are very adamant. And I think it's cool. Like, if that's your... Mm -hmm. If that's your line of vision when it mm -hmm. comes to the gender that we we share go for it mm -hmm. i'm all for you doing how you want to do it i'm not gonna tell you to stop i think that's cool because you're still doing something right i dig it and that's their thing yeah it doesn't exactly. have to be your thing right? exactly and it sounds i mean and just in the short time we've been talking my perception is you just do what you do and you don't worry about the rest exactly and that's okay i that's, i mean that's my personal philosophy mm -hmm. and if everyone else wants to uh, pick that up i think that it would be a very smart move i think that, that <laughs> but that again it's <laughs> worked for me forward yeah yeah and and you know and and just from my own personal history and perspective i mean i i, I actually really do agree with you on that and feel very similar similarly um, in growing up, I just did what I did, and I never thought twice about, you know, oh, because I'm a girl, I can't do this, or, you know, even though it was very much that generation that girls don't do this, only boys, you know, boys play sports, girls dance, you know, boy, boys are in bands, girls, you know, are in the, I, I just never thought or felt that way, and it never occurred to me that I should feel that way. That's, you know, I mean, you, that's another thing is also, I'm not just a female, mm -hmm. I am also, um, if we want to talk about the minorities of things, mm -hmm. I'm also half Filipino, right. which is an, is also a really odd minority because I'm not Filipino and I'm mm -hmm. not white. I am like this weird mixture, and I've only met one other half Filipino. Mm -hmm. I'm also my cousins are half Filipino, really American Filipino. Oh, that rules! My I, aunt is is from the Philippines. Yeah, that's awesome. See, so I they really are, they are, yeah. Well, yeah. tell them Mabuhay <laughs> for me. That rules. I will. Um, but also, you know, uh, I would. So they're out there. They're out there. No, <laughs> oh, I believe it. I believe there's a lot have of them you, out there. Have you ever been um, um, experienced racism because you you don't you know because I'm looking and obviously you know people will see your picture but it's hard to kind of you can't really tell. It's very true. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd say on one point I find that a blessing and a curse because mm -hmm. I want to be I I want to be like yes I am Filipino but have the time people just don't know and when mm -hmm. I tell them they have the same reaction sure. you do which is like wasn't really sure yeah. I've had people yeah. ask me 
an, a rainbow, an array mm -hmm. of what I was. I passed mm -hmm. if I was, you know, Indian, mm -hmm. uh, if I was American Indian, if mm -hmm. I was uh, half black, if I was mm -hmm. Alaskan. I've had, <laughs> I've had a million different things, or if I was like... Well, you have a very unique look, and not that I meet people and immediately try to figure out what your race or ethnicity is, but, you know, I am very interested in pe people's culture, and I like to know who they are, and part of that, I think, is just respecting you as a human and, and yeah. sort of because there are certain cultural differences that you want to be sensitive to when when you do meet people um but so oh. yeah it, well so growing up in missouri i have had a couple of different you know racial issues i never like when they when they happen they really do throw me off and when they happen the person is really thrown off by my reaction. And what's your reaction? Well, it depends. I once had a guy in my house who was kind of like trying to take some of my food. He was being, you know, he's being an asshole and was trying to eat my food at my house without <laughs> without asking. And I was like, "Yo, like, we're on a budget." I was like, like "We're I was, young I was, and on a budget." Yeah, I was seventeen, living in my own apartment. Right, I had, had no, no money. I had nothing. Yeah. And he was like, "Well, if I trade you." two coconuts and a rock will you let me have some food and I thought about it and I was like I don't really know what you mean by that because yeah you know I was like okay I let it yeah. go and then yeah. he I guess he was offended because I still didn't let him eat my food yeah. dude it's my food like right, right, mine right. Yeah. <laughs> but and then he said something about you know Filipinos and being Roman Catholic which is their state religion I won't say state, but it's Did like the predominant. You were Filipino background. I mean, yeah. Okay, in, Phil in, in Philadelphia, it might not be as important, but in St. Louis, I feel it's like important. I feel like race is much more, yeah. Yeah. much more. We've come a long way, but we haven't come as far as we need to. Yeah. But trust me, it's with the from the race riots in the '60s to where we are today. Even even the riots difference. that are going on there now, like people, yeah. it's not in the news. Yeah. But I'm telling you, it's still yeah. happening in Ferguson. I'm my, sure. My friends are still out there fighting. Well, it's it's generations of embedded thought yeah. that just they just haven't don't know. changed yet. Yeah, it but, hasn't reached. But I'll I'll say that he he definitely uh, had some bruised body parts because we fought we fought really hard we, my friends <laughs> had to kick his ass i kicked his fucking ass you don't I talk fight. about that shit in my home trying to get my Come food my house that motherfucker no yeah so yeah. that yeah. happened yeah. and also it's it's a little it's a little things too when i was younger i didn't know how to react to them like my mom mm -hmm. would go places and people would ask her what adoption sure. agency she got me from right. Right. Um, her womb. She should have said a cereal box. <laughs> Something. Got her from a cereal box. I think the worst thing that ever happened was that I had a boyfriend who we were, I guess, I guess you would call it pillow talk. And he said, if we ever had kids, I wouldn't know what to do because they wouldn't look like me. And I want my kids to look like me. And I was just like, you know what I looked like yeah. when you, when you asked me out on a date. Yeah. Yeah. You, you take yeah. that back. Yeah. But it's a, it, that's also that's also the same boyfriend who told me that he wouldn't know how to cope if he would he he and I were to die because he would go to heaven because he believed in God and uh, I would go to hell and he would spend eternity alone. I was so... telling him to have a good time because hell is way more fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was there just is like, a heaven and hell because I don't even know. But... I was like, well, you know, if you really have that problem, you can be alone right now. There you go. <laughs> Do you ever want to have kids? No, no, yeah. I don't think that my my genetics would be would be uh, okay. To, to spread into the world. I, I, I don't know. I feel like 
uh, I just I mean, it's, you're 23, so to ask that kind of question is kind of unfair. No, I mean, my parent, my mom's been asking me that since I was yeah. like 16. Oh God, no! You know, people settle down no. with their high school sweethearts no, in Missouri. No, no, no. My mother said, "If you ever have a baby, I'll kill you." Oh, that was God. when I was your age. But of course, now no. she's happy to be a grandma. But you know, it's. I but just, you don't you don't see that path for you being a mom. I guess I'll put it this way: I think the world we live in is too wrong for me to feel okay with forcing someone to live in it. Mm. So I definitely don't want to bring anyone into a world that I didn't choose like to live in. like my soul sister from 25 <laughs> years ago. I, I, I would have sat here and said the very same thing it's if I truth. was sitting where you're sitting. I mean, I didn't ask yeah. to be here. Yeah. No one asked to be yeah. here. If, you're, if you make a way to be happy in this lifetime, you are one of the very few and you probably write a book about it and everyone reads it but no one follows the rules mm. and that's that's how it happens. You have to carve out your own happy. Yeah, I agree, I, I agree. But people still write books about that stuff and people still read it. <laughs> I don't read them. So. I don't read their I books. Have, I, I have do the not secret. read other people's happy books. <laughs> I have the secret sitting upstairs in yeah. my room right now but it's only for if I'm bored and it's funny. So mm. if you've ever read The Secret, it's I really haven't. bad. It's like, it's the belief that as long as you think you can do something it's like a, it's like psychic power mm -hmm. that the world will shift to your favor because mm -hmm. you just have a positive outlook. And mm -hmm. maybe, maybe it's just the way well, you view the world. True to and a it's degree. true. But the way they put it is just so cosmic. Mm. You know, like the universe that it's beyond was telling your control. Me. Yeah, it was. That is that it is your control. That the universe is at your control, mm -hmm. which you can take figuratively or you can take mm -hmm. literally. But right. most people probably take it literally, right. which is the problem yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah, but no, you can you can make your own happiness sure. definitely. I, I believe mean, percep that. Again, goes back to perception. Yes, you know, and and if you view the world through that lens, <laughs> you know, then you find that happy. And I think happy too is it's not complete bliss. You know, it, it's different. I think that there are different levels and stages mm -hmm. for different people. Um, I know you had mentioned that you work at Connie's Rick Rack. Yes. So you book their bands? I I am one of the people that do that manage the calendar. That's how we like to put it. We manage the calendar. Um, it's primarily um, Ron Bowman, uh, Mike Gallagher, and I. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that work there and manage the calendar together. I started a year ago... Um, I walked in and I was like, teach me how to do sound. Hmm. So I sat around for like a month. Did or... you know them or you just went no, in and I, said? <laughs> so here's a little nasty story. I used to hang out at this place called uh, Terry's, which is two doors down. Mm -hmm. And that was where all the scuzzy people would go. And I'm saying that because I, I, I am and was scuzzy. Like I just wanted to get drunk. I just wanted to go and find the cheapest beer. And Terry's was the place where you could do whatever you want. If you wanted to get naked and roll around on the ground, you could do that there. I think I've heard some things about oh, yeah. Terry's. There, there's, there are some stories. There's no, some nasty you. stories. Um, and that's where I would go a lot. And it was two doors down. And so I was, I was bored there. I, I was out of money and I had, you know, I was drinking the beer that I could get by being like, yo man, like mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm kind of broke, but I want to party. Like y'all should like give me some beer. So like, that's what I was doing. And I heard some music down, like two doors down. I walked in and I was like, hey, um, what's, what is this all you're doing? You know? And so they showed me and they were like, come back sober. Mm -hmm. We'll teach you some stuff. And then I stayed around long enough and there was an open spot. So I became one of the, the, uh, sound engineers. 
So you do their sound. I do. I do sound there uh, a couple times a month. And but you don't book bands. That was my misunderstanding. Oh no no yeah I do both. Okay. Yeah I didn't start doing that until recently. Um, I I went up to Ron. And I was like, hey, I want to learn how to do this thing. And mm -hmm. I have a lot of bands mm -hmm. that I feel like need to get recognition. I'm mm -hmm. a huge music nerd, and I go to all the shows, and mm -hmm. I want to I book all the shows. Like, I don't want to go to other people's shows. I want to be the one that... Like, brings them in. That brings them in. And yeah. the Connie's has this great sound system. Thank you, Mike Gallagher. You made this amazing sound system. And it sounds great, but yet at the same time, it gives you this basement feel, which is what I love. Like, you just can mm -hmm. hang out in this place where it feels like a basement, feels like you're in this DIY space, but you can get beers, mm -hmm. endless supply of beers, and it sounds good. It doesn't sound like shit right. if you were to sit in right. a shitty little basement, and mm -hmm. that's what is so with this, perfect. With the five-foot ceiling. Oh, yeah, where you're like, you're, I love, I love seeing like, the, the guys with the mohawks who are like, tipping their heads sideways. They're not just being cool, hanging yeah, out with like, their head to the side it's to protect they're, the hawk. It's because, yeah, they, they know that it would ruin the hawk, or whatever hairstyle they have, you know, so uh, that's what I love about Connie's, and I felt like the basement scene, the underground scene mm -hmm. in Philly needs a venue like that, because a lot of the venues, I, I love all the venues in Philly. I, I go to all of them, I love them all, but that's what's so unique to me mm -hmm. about Connie's, is that it still gives you that really relaxed basement feel mm -hmm. so I wanted to do that for the bands who so you're you're very familiar then with the Philly sound and different bands who should people be listening to from Philly right now oh um <laughs> wow I, I love so many people there's this there's this one band that's coming right coming up right now that I whenever I show people whenever I, I force them to go to a show with me to mm -hmm. see this band because live they're just so great um they're called twin and it's Two eyes, T W I I N. Mm -hmm. I think they're great. I think everyone. It goes without saying that I love Sheer Mag. Anything that comes out of the Nut House, mm -hmm. in my opinion, is great. So that would be Sheer Mag. That would be Twinks. That would be the Guests. That would be Pussy Dogs, Blue Boys. Like I love all those bands. Um, as far as uh, West Philly goes, um, I love Latex. I love, I'm like, I, there's so many, I love No, um, Charlie Few, they're not actually West, but I love Charlie Few, um, Sweet F.A., um, oh god, I'm like, I'm just blanking on all, I know, I like, put you on the spot, no, no, I you're mean, fine, you don't have to name all of them, but just, you know, yeah. who, who, sounds like you have a really wide range, I just, I mean, I just love what's, I think that music right now, in general, there's a good time for music, we, we're at a point where you can put your stuff out there and just walk away. Mm -hmm. You know, you can just put your stuff up online somewhere and just walk away from it. It's kind of similar to back in the 90s where you could just make a CD and just put it, and it like a pile of your CDs and just put them in like a cafe mm -hmm. and walk away. And maybe people pick it up and make, like it. Maybe mm -hmm. they wouldn't. And that's, and because of that, people are just, they're just creating. They're just creating mm -hmm. and they're doing. Mm -hmm. And you can, you can go to a show every single night. Like there tonight, um, I'm fighting between going to three different shows. What I, shows? Uh, there is, um, it's called, it, it's simply called Rockers, and I want to go to that one. I can't tell you where it's at because mm -hmm. I'm blanking. And then at Second Empire, um, Institute is coming, mm -hmm. and I love Institute. They're not locals, but they're post-punk, and it's just like, the guy, the way he sings is like, he just doesn't give a shit. And he's just, Neh. 
Well, everything, yeah. And I'm saying, yes! Yes! I love people who don't give a shit! It's so good. I should have brought you one of my t-shirts. I have I have the fuck the world foundation because oh, no rules. one gives a shit. That rules. That's awesome. <laughs> Had I, I known, <laughs> I would have brought you a present. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I'll have to look that up. What do you think about some of these older bands that are getting back together? Tonight is Thorazine, Stepping Razor. I know that might put you on the spot. Um, mm. But what do you think about that? It depends. 99% of the time, if it's a band that I grew up with, I refuse to see them. Um... Like, I know that there was a night when Buzzcocks came to town, for mm-hmm. example, because they had, you know, they were doing their, like, reunion tour. Sure. I didn't, I didn't go see them. I, no, I like, I like thinking of them in the way that I do. And mm-hmm. it's not, it's not their age that's the problem. It's just, I have a certain image in my head. Of and, a time? Of a, uh, of a specific um, point in your life? Or? I think it's, 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 no, I think it's an all-encompassing feeling of when I imagined their shows I imagined I had a lot I have a lot of imagination and I had you know 10 years to be able to imagine and create mm-hmm. these things and all these documentaries that I was mm-hmm. able to see you know like decline of western sure. civilization for example yeah. and so it gave me the certain image and it's not the same and I haven't been able to grow up and see them over and over and over again and be accustomed and used to it so for example when I when I um like, I know the X is also coming to town soon, and I'm 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 wary. People say that they're really good, mm-hmm. but I've seen them a million. I've I've watched that mm-hmm. that segment on decline mm-hmm. so often and so much that it worries me that it's gonna just like burn burn this image into my head that's not that, and I won't be able to go back. You don't want to see it differently. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I think that it's really it's really cool. I know that we're opening up for the Rizillos mm-hmm. next month in July. Mm-hmm. And, and you opened for Thorazine last And we opened September. up for Thorazine. Just got to see you yeah, play, and yeah. I was very excited. <laughs> I'm not a feminist, but I was really psyched to see all these chicks there. It was crazy. Playing music, slamming in the pit. Like, that was That awesome. was intense. That, that was hit great. was intense, yeah. That was great. Like, I just, it really just warmed me to no end to see. Because I did yeah. grow up in the male-dominated version <laughs> of Philly punk. So, I, that was awesome. I will say that about Joanne is... Uh, she brought it. I hadn't, like... She's great. She's I, a good performer. I didn't grow up in the scene, so I didn't get to know yeah. her stuff yeah. growing up. But she she and all of Thorazine, not just mm-hmm. her, but they sure. they don't... Except Hoover. <laughs> he's a poser. No, I'm just kidding. I know he's Hoover. One of, he's our band now. I know now. Hoover from... It's like where the bike scene and the punk scene meld, and I know Hoover uh. from another world and i just like to give them endless shit because i can but i love still that love you Hoover. <laughs> <laughs> no you gotta give people shit it's good all the time but they they brought it like i wasn't yeah. not that i was expecting them to like not bring it sure. but it, i i, think, I love but i that. do think in all fairness people do go in with an expectation of oh this other band's back together it's you know what and so it is a really nice surprise i mean joanne has a great stage present Presence. She just like she just stands there and she, she just holds it ass. and she yeah. she doesn't let go. She's aggressive. She's, She's really aggressive. aggressive. I I thought that and she I was like going to jump into the crowd and I start like hitting it. someone in the face. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, she wouldn't. Do. But, but she's a sweetheart. Yeah, but I think that there are some nice surprises in that too. You know, so I think that there are two camps that feel like uh, you know been there, done that. Why am I going to go do it again? And then other people who are really excited to hear music that that they have loved and to see their friends or people that they've known 
you know, kind of doing it and, and doing what they love and, you know, yeah. being happy. You know, they think that's one of the stages or, or levels of, of happy, and that's, like, doing what makes you feel really good. Yeah. Um, we're going to start to wrap up. Sure, but I, sure. I, I, I want to ask you, um, do you feel like you're a role model at all for young women? No, not at all. I mean, I don't really... For women in, in general, in particular, mm-hmm. no. I I don't... I think part of that problem is the fact that I don't identify right. as a woman. We, yeah. yeah, so... She so, don't identify as not a woman. I just, just, I, I just don't... Yeah, it's like, to me, I think that if a if a if a particular female was to come up to me and say that she felt like I was a role model, I wouldn't take it as that. Like I wouldn't put those two mm-hmm. things together. But I I definitely want to be someone that changes the minds of people about punk because it has become so dogmatic. Yeah. So if someone was to say that, I would feel really happy. But at the same time, I'd be pissed off and I'd be like, no, find your own thing, fuck off, mm-hmm. do your shit, hate me, hate me, and create something that goes against everything that we do. That's what I want to hear more than anything. I want people to be mad. Like I'm, I'm actually mad <laughs> that there are lost a lot of anger. It's gotten a little <laughs> soft to some degree. I don't know. I want people to get mad at our shows. They don't. They yeah. like at the end of the night. They're like, we liked what you did, and I'm like, no. Like be upset. Like hate. Like get go out there and form a band because of what we did was fucked up, and you want to say something against us because we're posers, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you want people to come back to your shows, right? <laughs> okay, maybe that. that maybe again. I should There's pull like that, that back a little bit. Conflict. But no, I, 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 but I get what you're saying. I mean, I definitely can see that. Is that you you want to create a reaction in yeah. people to go out and and do, create their own thing. Well, that's how art should be. It should create this reaction. And that's don't agree. Don't don't agree with me. Would that be your message to young people then? I won't even ask the question. Is that is that, <laughs> yeah. that would have been my final question. Probably is what your message would be. If if you agree with a bunch of people, a group of people, you're probably doing something wrong. And uh, if you can if you if your arguments are based around quoting a song mm-hmm. that was written in nineteen eighty mm-hmm. or nineteen seventy, mm-hmm. uh, you're you're definitely wrong. And if it was written I can't last quote year, the long and winding road. Yeah, I can't quote the Beatles or. <laughs> yeah, uh, here, here's my message to young people: Stop quoting "Who Killed Spiky Jacket," please, or "Gizm," or or "Crass." Just stop quoting. Stop quoting. Use your yeah. own. Use yeah. your own words. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to add? Um, Is there anything that I missed? I mean, I don't think so. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. So yeah. It has been a pleasure to meet you and to you meet will. with you, and I, I really thank you. Yeah, I had a great time. This is great. <laughs> we should do this more. Yeah. <laughs> this, like the book club. We could have like <laughs> the chat club. This is, <laughs> this is Loud Fast Philly. Thank you, Jade. <laughs>